Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is a Force Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok for another edition of Spotlight Star Wars. It's the 100th edition of Spotlight Star Wars. 100 episodes. How are we going to celebrate? We're not. We're going to strap on our boots. We're going to button up our flight suit. And we are going to dig in and keep going with kind of a updated version of Spotlight Star Wars. This will always remain a monologue from me to you, the Star Wars listeners, the Star Wars fans, the Force Center friends. But we're going to expand that monologue. It's going to also have other voices, interviews from time to time, little interview clips uh, put together here. Uh, Joseph, Jennifer, and I uh, do intend to have some longer form interviews with guests outside of the Force Center main show. That's something that might be coming down the line. So when I say interviews here, a little different, little clips, little bite-sized uh, pieces that I'm going to put together, plus some new segments, one that was inspired by Spotlight Star Wars 98, where I read a lot of your memories of your first spark of Star Wars joy, and I so enjoyed doing that. I so enjoyed hearing your stories, your memories of Star Wars, that we're going to include that now here on every episode. 
and you can submit your stories over on the Patreon page. We'll take those. I have plenty to choose from already. I'm going to do about one, maybe two a show, and then also we're going to close the show here with the segment In Memoriam. And that, if you're a long-time listener of Jedi Alliance, will strike a familiar chord with you. I'm taking that segment back. It was mine. I created it, and it's coming back home. 100 episodes of Spotlight Star Wars. You've heard the story before. I don't want to keep repeating it, but this was the show that I launched on the Knapsack Files podcast feed because I just knew I wanted to still talk about Star Wars, and I sensed the end of Jedi Alliance was coming. I knew I was going to be getting a job with Screen Junkies. I was in uh, kind of negotiations for that, which meant I probably wouldn't be able to stick around popcorn talk so I transitioned out of that show. Mark Donica, Joseph Scrimshaw transitioned in to take over that show. And Spotlight Star Wars was on the Knapsack Files podcast feed. For the first few episodes, maybe, gosh, I forget the count, up to 20 or so, it was on my personal podcast feed, which you can still check out if you're not a fan uh, yet. Go give the Knapsack Files a listen. But then we wanted something more. I wanted something bigger. I wanted my own podcast feed. But you know what? I Here's my thing. I don't like doing things on my own. I like having friends. I like having people in the bunker with me. I like people on the bridge. Joseph Scrimshaw and I had started up a nice little friendship, been a guest on Jedi Alliance. I've been working with Jennifer Landa and the ball got rolling. And it's become the three of us with this little band. This is ours. This isn't mine isn't theirs. It's yours, but it's also ours. The three three of us are truly co-pilots on this mission, and we have watched this feed grow over the last, I want to say, six months. It's really picked up. A lot of that, of course, well, Star Wars is the thing to talk about. You got The Last Jedi, you got Solo, you got Rebels, you got news, you got drama. You want to hear people talk about it, and there's a lot of choices. There's a lot of things I listen to. There's other shows I'm on or a part of or support. And you have those options, too. It's like they say on the nightly news, on your local nightly news, there's a lot of choices. Thank you for choosing Channel 2. Thank you for choosing Force Center. I will never speak for Joseph and Jennifer, but I know that we are all very, very humbled and honored by the recent growth. And we have more things in store. We just launched the website. ForceCenterPod.Podomatic.Net. There's a blog on there that is in the early stages of beginning. We are we are trying to. We're not just going to blog like it's a barf, big barf blog. No, we've got kind of a, a, a mission statement with the blog, and we're working on that. Things are happening there. You can find uh, databank brawl episodes on YouTube on the Force Center YouTube page. We just rebroadcast them there, put them to a new medium. Of course, not big views and numbers yet. But we have a presence there, more to come, and this is because of you guys. Not just our Patreon supporters, we mention that a lot, but that is true. We use, we use the Patreon page to grow the business, to grow the brand, and to build community. I believe that's how Patreon works best now in this new modern age of digital media. But beyond that, you now listening on your way to work listening at work, listening late at night, studying for your college exams, and having us on in the background, playing video games and listening to us on the other earphones. Uh, That is the support that has made all of this possible. And Spotlight Star Wars 100, a silly little show that was weirdly named. You ever wonder why it's Spotlight Star Wars? Spotlight colon Star Wars? It's because I, at one point, thought, well, this is the Napsock Files. This is generally where I do real, regular life stuff. Not real, well, real life, but regular stuff. Interviews. It's not just related to geek and nerd culture, movies, any of that kind of stuff. But I had those kind of interests. And I'm known for that, obviously, in the, in the digital media space. That's uh, why a lot of you are over here listening. So I was going to, like, all right, Saturday mornings, I'm just going to talk for about 15, 20 minutes about Star Wars. I'm going to call it Spotlight. Star Wars. And then if I want to talk about Game of Thrones and I'm not attached to a Game of Thrones show, I can do Spotlight Game of Thrones. I love pro wrestling. Spotlight wrestling. That's how it was going to work. 
those other things never happened. I ended up on the Screen Junkies, Game of Thrones show, Watching Thrones, then on the Collider Video one, Thrones Talk, uh, Wrestling. I don't really do the wrestling podcast thing much anymore. Used to have my own feed, though, Wrestling Viewpoint Network. So all that to say, what remains, as often is the case with a lot of names, especially like, say, bands, you toss something out, seems kind of silly, means something else, and then it never becomes out of the thing, and then you're stuck with this name. I thought about changing it for episode 100. I thought about retiring Spotlight Star Wars, saying goodbye, but you know what? I'm also one for tradition. And Star Wars is very much about tradition. It's also sometimes about breaking tradition. But here we are, Spotlight Star Wars, episode 100. It's the same thing with some new bells and whistles. I have been watching The Last Jedi on digital download. You may have heard Joseph and I struggle with our digital downloads of the Force, uh, well, the Force Awakens sequel, The Last Jedi. We talked about it on Force Center, and a lot of you were very helpful to say, hey, you should get it on this program, Voodoo, all that kind of stuff. We both chose Amazon Prime, and it, it's a little weird. But the hard copy's on its way out. I will be purchasing that, and I am going to be okay. I'm able to watch Star Wars, and I've watched The Last Jedi now. I'm in the middle. It's frozen. It's paused on my screen behind me here in my studio. Finn is talking to Poe. They're about to contact Maz Kanata. That's where I'm watching uh, this, this point in the movie. I stopped it to record this. That'll be my third time, once I complete it, to a little bit after, of watching the movie in full since I picked up the digital copy. That'll, that'll make nine complete viewings, a little half viewing the first night, and then I've watched the documentary twice. Why is that important? It's not important, but I'm just spouting out numbers. But I was watching this one, and, and, and something struck me about the opening space battle, the opening sequence. And we always talk about this mythical thing. I use it a lot. And sometimes I'm against it. I'm frustrated by it. And sometimes I'm all aboard on it because I understand it. And that is, it's not Star Wars enough. It doesn't feel like Star Wars. And that is a hard thing. I'm sure the creators, not just Ryan Johnson, but anyone behind Rebels or the comics or the books story group, producers, anything, are are probably frustrated by that. Because what is that? It moves around. It's not a solid Excel spreadsheet of here's what is Star Wars. Because it can be a lot of things. George Lucas clearly took it to a lot of different places. But you want to keep it Star Wars enough. The prequels, maligned as they might be, even this prequelist understands some of the reasons that you might malign them, But there's a lot of Star Wars things in there. There's things that are like, oh, yeah, I may not like that, but that is Star Wars. One of them for me and a lot of people is the opening of Revenge of the Sith. There are a lot of things in that sequence that are very Star Wars-like. Seems like Star Wars. Anakin and Obi-Wan side by side in their Jedi Starfighters, a great score by John Williams. I mean, at this point, is it a surprise? But no, it was a little different. Gong, 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 gong. Love the opening crawl of Revenge of the Sith. I think it's one of the best crawls in Star Wars. And then a great space battle ensues. Phantom Menace was very, well, ambitious in its final sequence. Much like Return of the Jedi. It had a War on the ground, troops on the ground, boots on the ground, droids and gungans on the ground. It had a lightsaber fight, perhaps one of uh, the better or or most liked lightsaber fights out there, Maul versus Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. And then, of course, the space fight, going up to the Trade Federation ship where Annie, well, he stumbles into the final solution. That is a good sequence. I like a lot of what's going on there, and it is very Star Wars-like. But I feel the gold standard is Return of the Jedi. Revenge of the Sith, that opening sequence, had some of those elements. And it had been the first time since Return of the Jedi that I got what I wanted. I got the Star Wars-like space battle. The Star Wars-like air-to-air combat. Attack of the Clones had some of the best troops on the ground stuff going on. I love I love that. You can listen to uh, Joseph and I talk about that on some of the Star Wars ranked episodes about the prequels. So Return of the Jedi, as I said, is the gold standard for these battles. And I think these movies do need that. Rogue One, though I have some first and second act problems, gets me 
with the battles at the end. I've told you guys many times before, first here on Spotlight Star Wars, I like the war sometimes more than the lore in Star Wars. You can have your holocrons and your old republics and your Jedi books. I sometimes just like to see spaceships flying around and blowing things up. So Rogue One really hit home run with me on that. Force Awakens didn't have a lot of that, but it had some interesting uh, uh, flying, some some action there in the air. And we always say we didn't get a, a real space battle and nothing was really in space. It was around the uh, the atmosphere of Starkiller Base or uh, at the sequence in front of Maz Kanata's castle. It, it was some interesting stuff, though. I will say I really loved some of the visuals of Poe. Uh, flying above Masconetta's Castle, Poe, Snap Wexley, Eloatsi, Jess Pava. There's some of those great shots that JJ put in there of them kind of, you're on the outside of the X-Wing looking in. Very realistic. Made it seem very realistic. It was something I'd never really seen in Star Wars before, but yet it felt very Star Wars-like, and I loved it. But, you know, I think that was one of the things. Like, yeah, we, you know, we didn't get, didn't get anything in space. Poe wasn't flying around in space. Well, we we get that in The Last Jedi, and as I was watching this viewing, it really struck me how much I really love this sequence. And watching the bonus features of how Ryan Johnson and his team put together this battle, and it tells a story. It tells a story, and, and it moves the characters forward. We get a great, great sequence with Paige. What a little wonderful, sad, tragic mini-story inside of the giant uh, bigger picture of this movie of what's going on with Paige and how it connects to uh, Rose later on and uh, what it is to be a hero and unsung heroes and going all out for a cause that, as Poe learns, might have been futile. The Dreadnought explodes. You guys know I love Captain Kennedy. The Bombers. Big fan of uh, Memphis Bell, the movie uh, in the late 80s with Matthew Moe, Dean, and the World War II bombers. Uh, fascinated by the history there. I always think it's a little weird to be fascinated with real, actual wars. But, uh, you know, I'm a student of history, so I do like it. And so Ryan Johnson was as well, and very, very uh, clearly... We now know 100% inspired by that in a way to put a sequence like that. And I love the Cobalt Squadron, the Cobalt Hammer, the Bombers of the Resistance. Great sequence. And again, it got me thinking, going back to Return of the Jedi, I consider it the gold standard. In A New Hope, you get the wonderful closing sequence, the Battle of Yavin, which really was just the attack on the Death Star, the DS-1. Red 5 saves the day. Red and gold squadrons are there. You get some great World War II-inspired dogfighting. Even on the early versions, the theatrical versions, where you could see a little bit more that they were models, it was a great sequence. And the special edition of A New Hope, I actually think, does do a good job adding to it. Some updated technology makes those X-Wings and Y-Wings and TIE Fighters feel a little more realistic in a way, even though even some of that technology back in the mid-90s has uh, not stood up as as best as it would. I would love to, if, if George Lucas said, oh, I think I want to do the New Hope attack on the Death Star again with more modern technology, I'd be, all right, give it a go. Just look at some of the wonderful things we get in Force Awakens, Rogue One, and Last Jedi. But that was New Hope. Everything else, in terms of large-scale battles, we know we didn't have. It started small. The only really troop-to-troop stuff going on was the opening sequence. That wasn't much of a fight for the plucky rebels. And then, of course, run around the Death Star. So that New Hope sequence, the X-Wings and the Y-Wings flying around, was what we had. Then Empire comes out, and one of my favorite sequences of all time in Star Wars is Hoth and the Hoth battle. I love those walkers, the Imperial walkers, intimidating the rebel officer looking through his binoculars and seeing him. It's still one of my favorite shots in Star Wars. Echoed, I think, quite successfully, actually, in Rogue One with Baze and uh, Sherrett uh, learning of the ATACTs on the way there and that shot of the, of the walker coming out of the smoke there. Very reminiscent of some of the stuff on Hoth. But that Hoth se- sequence is great, but then after that, we don't get a big battle. It goes small. One of the strengths of Empire, of course, goes small, goes very character-based. Again, Han, Leia, Chewie, 3PO. They get some good space battles, a good chase sequence, of course. And then you got uh, stuff going on on Bespin and perhaps the most emotional of lightsaber fights. Though I do, if I'm voting, 
prefer the one in Jedi. Return of the Jedi, I guess we have to say that. But it is in Return of the Jedi where George Lucas takes what he had done in the previous two movies and what he had thought about in drafts of his earlier scripts of the adventures of Luke Starkiller taken from the Star Wars or whatever the hell that title was, George. He puts it all together wonderfully. And I think... I talk about the first spark of Star Wars joy. I, I talk about the first thing in Star Wars that I latched onto and said, oh, I think I like this. And for me, it was Luke in the trailer of Return of the Jedi igniting that green lightsaber on top of the sail barge. But I, I got to say, as a seven-year-old kid walking out of the Fremont Theater in San Luis Obispo, California, back in May of 1983, what I walked out thinking about was that final sequence was everything that happened once it really got going on Endor. Boots on the ground, walkers, Ewoks, which at the time I loved, and so that's why I still have a soft spot for those maligned Ewoks. Chewie and Han, biker scouts, speeder bikes, that sequence still one of my favorite. But once it really gets going, you got this massive ground battle that ties into this amazing space battle that I still think even the theatrical version holds up so well. They had really improved from that warehouse in Van Nuys, making a new hope to what they had going on in Return of the Jedi. Everything about it, the A-wings, the B-wings, the explosions, the trap, Akbar, Lando, Nine-Num, Arvel Krynid crashing into Piet's bridge. I love all of it. Akbar's sigh. It's so good. But then with these two massive sequences going on, George Lucas says, that's not enough. We have the amazing lightsaber battle, the duel between father and son before a master and a potential future master, the one who was the Phantom Menace controlling a lot of it. And you have that, the emotional core of this story taking place with some of the most beautiful images and sequences within the giant, bigger sequence. It's all there. It is perhaps George at his Star Wars finest. And that's why it's still the gold standard. But I look at what's going on in The Last Jedi. I look at what is happening. I love Krayt. And tossing the Luke Skywalker stuff out, that's not even about that. There's some beautiful stuff in that. Clearly, I love that. But I love the imagery of the Battle of Krayt. I love those gorilla walkers, the old uh, regular size walkers. I love the TIE fighters. I love the ragtag ski speeders. I love the resistance in the trenches. It's so reminiscent of Hoth in all the best ways. That's a great sequence. I love the throne room scene. It doesn't have the big emotional punch of the Jedi return of the Jedi throne room scene. But the last Jedi throne room scene says, here is a Star Wars thing you know and like, and we're going to do it a lot different. I love the results. A lot of you love the results. And I've even heard people who are maybe a little down on the last Jedi go, I, at least I did like that. Love what's going on in there. But this opening space battle, the attack on the Dreadnought, the desperate plan that works in Poe's mind, but really didn't, and the lesson that comes from it. There's a lot of depth going on in there, but just in terms of cool Star Wars things, and I think that's what this is all about, cool Star Wars things. There is a part of every Star Wars movie that needs it. It's how it works. You need to leave the theater, and you should have the desire to hit the playground. Remember, I left Attack of the Clones. It is probably my lowest-rated Star Wars movie outside of the Clone Wars movie. But I still love the clones in action. I love the shots. I love the fast zooms that Lucas puts in there on some of the ships. I love the sounds. Some great Star Wars action. And this opening sequence in The Last Jedi has some of it. Oh, yes, I know. It has Tally Lintra, Hermione Corfeld. One of my new favorite additions to the Star Wars universe, gone too soon. Yes, she's adorable. She's great. She's fierce. She's dedicated. And a great pilot who's in charge of this defense of the evacuation. Uh, that's a great sequence. 
she's great in that. The Bombers are great. But just the visuals. Ryan Johnson and his team in this sequence alone, forget the rest of the movie, this sequence alone captured something that is very Star Wars, but also brought in new things. We'd never really seen this type of bombing run before. I'd love to see it in another movie. In Episode Nine, the Resistance is like, we found 10 more of these? Give me another mission. I love the visuals of the TIE fighter exploding and going up the clip of the one bomber in which it explodes, and then that causes the one next to it to go, and the one next to it to go. It is a terrifying sequence, which makes perfect sense that they put in Paige's reaction, which was maybe initially for another sequence of her gun jamming. They make it bigger. They raise the stakes of the close-up on Paige's face, ripping her mask off, hyperventilating. She doesn't know if she can get through this. And then the true trauma, the true tragedy. The rest of her crew is gone. Pilot's about to die. She has to get these bombs off to save the day and die in the process. Little mini dramas within this great sequence that is absolutely Star Wars. True and true. On the bad guy's side, the First Order, you know I love my Imperial officers and I'm starting to really love my First Order officers. You have the rest of the sequence. Hux, last scene is this fierce, screaming madman destroying five planets and taking out the core of the New Republic, has now been reduced to a fearful, ineffectual leader. And I love that choice. And as this battle rages on, something that we haven't really seen in Star Wars before emerges. There's dissension in the ranks. There's PV on the bridge with Hux politely trying to keep his leader informed that he's being toyed with and tooled with. And then you have Captain Kennedy on the bridge of the Dreadnought. An old Imperial wishing he still had the old Imperial ways to fall back on. Not really happy with the new ranks of the First Order. Not really happy with the help around him. It adds a little weight to that, too. He wants Hawks gone. PV thinks Hux will one day be proven to be ineffectual. Great stuff pulled out of the Last Jedi novel by Jason Fry, but it's all at play there. The other day, I started to watch The Last Jedi. I mentioned I had a half viewing of my digital copy. That's because when I was loading up and I was about to watch the special features, it started auto-playing and I was settling in, getting a drink, whatever, putting on my slippers. That's important, putting on slippers. And then, of course, the movie starts, and it starts right away. Momentum picks up. The evacuation has begun. Poe is sailing on up to the dreadnought. And I sat down. Couldn't pull myself away. I ended up watching the opening sequence again. Same thing today. I was making dinner. Had my slippers on. Had some baseball playing in the background, and I thought, no, you know what? I need to watch that opening sequence again. And now I'm watching the movie. What is a Star Wars-like sequence? What does it mean when we say, it's not Star Wars enough, or that is Star Wars? It's not something we can readily identify. It might not be perfectly clear, but we know it when we see it. And we definitely know it when we feel it. It's been a interesting time the last couple months to be a Star Wars fan. About 2012 to 2014, especially when we launched Spotlight Star Wars, I used to say all the time, I think it was the title of an episode, what a great time to be a Star Wars fan. Lately, I've had moments where that doesn't seem like it's true. Deep down, I know it is. Deep down, I know I can shut it off. I work in the Star Wars media space, happy to Happy to talk to you guys, but there are times where it seems hard. There's much harder things in the world to deal with, but this this is the escape, right? Star Wars is the thing you want to turn off, and sometimes you just want to enjoy it. I'm very happy to be part of the Force Center team, which, above all, with some minor exceptions when we get a little prickly or grumpy, because we're humans and allowed, we keep to what Maud Garrett and I really try to do with Jedi Alliance, which is a celebration of the greatest saga ever told. That's the spirit behind Databank Brawl and definitely the spirit behind Joseph Scrimshaw's Star Wars counseling. 
I felt that on full display. In effect, when I came out of my initial viewings of The Force Awakens, unhappy with the death of Han Solo. Now, I still think it's not a home run. I'll rank it a B, B plus. But I, I had it ranked a lot lower, and my joy of it was not there. But a counseling session with Joseph on air on Jedi Alliance and off air made me see it in a different light. He's so good at that. And what's important about that? Again, it didn't change it completely where I suddenly was brainwashed and said, you're right, the death of Han Solo was executed, no pun intended, perfectly. No, no, no. That's not the point of what that show's about. The point is to see, hey, maybe you can find something in here you enjoy so you can continue to celebrate Star Wars. I've seen a lot of people just get wrapped up in their bitterness, focusing on one or too many things. I don't like the father-year chase. I don't. The extended version... Even less. Other people, including Joseph, like it. And I'm not going to take that away from anyone, but I don't like it. It's not my favorite thing. I like Canto Bite. I like the planet. I actually want to spend more time there. But that sequence isn't my favorite. I'm not going to let that wrap around my heart and take away from any joy. And then we got Happy Beats, Jennifer Landa's new show. From her, from her heart and her perspective. Just like... Just like Poe says to BB-8 at the beginning of The Last Jedi, happy beeps, buddy. Happy beeps. So I'm happy to be part of that. Doesn't mean we won't question things. Doesn't mean we won't dive into things. Doesn't mean we won't speculate and then occasionally be not perfectly, uh, totally happy with what the answers eventually are. We will always try to keep the celebration of Star Wars at, at the number one slot on our list. And so I was at lunch the other day with a friend of mine, an old friend. If you're a longtime fan of the Knapsack Files or Schmoes Know, you will have heard him. Uh, he, he is Joe Ruggiero, a comedian and writer, and he used to review comics for IGN. And some stuff changed in his life. And we were talking at lunch the other day about Star Wars and the hubbub around The Last Jedi. It is, without a doubt, a uh, flashpoint of a movie in terms of creating conversations, to say it nicely. And I might have been uh, complaining a little bit that I appear on some other shows, uh, Jedi Council, of course, and then the next couple days I get bombarded with some negative tweets. You know, uh, worse things in life. But it does take away a little bit of the joy. And he he had an interesting take on it, where his life is gone. He has kind of dropped out of really, really being in the middle of it. And he's finding himself in an interesting spot as a Star Wars fan gets to enjoy things. So here's Joe and I talking a little more about it. You know, it's been a tough time to be a Star Wars fan, which is a shame because it should be a great time to be a Star Wars fan. There's no doubt that after The Last Jedi, uh, there's been a certain bit of uh, rancor, not the monster in Star Wars fandom. But I was uh, having lunch with a good friend of mine. You might have uh, seen and heard back in the day on some Knapsack Files stuff, Schmoes Know, and he wrote for IGN, reviewed their comic books, and I've had the pleasure of, of whacking him with a cane, which sounds <laughs> different than what it actually is. It's my good friend, uh, comedian Joe Ruggiero. You can whack me anytime, buddy. Absolutely. That's what I plan to do. And I whacked you back. You did whack me back. Oh, we're, we're talking about... Uh, we're whackers. Kendo sticks kendo and sticks. professional kendo wrestling. Sticks. Joe, you are without Singapore a doubt... Singapore canes. Singapore canes. Without a now, you are a Star Wars fan. We've known each other for a long time. It's one of the things we connected together with over as friends. And you, you named your cat Lando. I did. You're a fan. I did. I, I named my cat Lando and, and then wondered why I was still single for a very long time. But you're married now. Now I'm happily married, so <laughs> that sh- shows me. But yeah, no, I, I, I've i been a Star Wars fan for, for a very, very long time. I actually, today, I almost put on a Star Wars shirt and I was like, I need to wear something different yeah. just for once. So I wore my new Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt well, just wrestling, to show how cool I am. Wrestling shirts do make you cool. But right? also, you had some, we were at lunch, we were talking about Star Wars. You had some, you had some interesting and insightful stuff. Uh, where you are at as a Wait, Star Wars fan. You did. You were excited. You've changed careers a little bit, so you're not as yes. uh, in-depth covering the comics like you used to or right. covering movies. And you, you, you've you found that it's brought some peace back to you as a Star Wars fan. Yeah. Uh, you know, ever since I kind of got out of the world of, you know, being actively involved as, you know, covering, uh, right. yeah, when I was 
uh, working with the Schmoes or when I was working with that other site that I'm not going to name because they still owe me $1,000. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> fat ass. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, and even IGN, even yeah. though I was just doing comics. But, you know, when you're in that world, yeah. as you know, you have to be involved in everything all the time and you have to feel strongly about everything all the time. And right. You have to, and now, you know, kind of getting out of it because now I'm just a corporate drone. Um, <laughs> you're just a commoner. I'm just a common just folk. Just a common man. You know, where it's kind of gotten back to being a hobby. Yeah. I'm enjoying it a lot more because yeah. I'm just, you know, it doesn't have to mean anything. Like, I'm not watching. I didn't watch The the Last Jedi to then figure out how it fits, you know, right. into this next one and what's Ryan Johnson's status with the suit bubble. I was, I just shut up and sat back and watched the Star Wars movie for right. like two and a half hours and it was really cool. Which is, that's where I find, uh, where you, when I say you found some peace in it. Now, look here, Force Center, this is what we do. And there's fun in it. And not that you don't still do that. Stuff. Oh, no. I, as yeah. I as I said at lunch, I'm yeah. willing to do a guest star or cameo appearance anytime you need me. And here Kinda you like are. Kind of like right there. And yeah, here no, you I'm, are. Yeah, I'm definitely not. And I certainly don't, you know, begrudge anyone. That's just that's yeah. just, that's just how yeah, I'm rolling. We say here, uh, speculate responsibly here at yeah. Force Center, and and that that's where I think a lot of the a lot of the uh, peace comes in. It's it's a you have a text a, message. It's a, it's a chime <laughs> from God. Oh. Um, hey God, that's where you you found the peace where you could just enjoy it. And I I I envy you in a way. Not that I change anything. And if you're listening here at Force Center, Ken Epstein's not going to suddenly stop looking into Star Wars. No, no, um, but. I was watching some other Star Wars material the other day, and I was like, oh, "This is I, I like I really like this." I have a feeling if I tell somebody I like this, I might have to defend it, and I don't want to defend loving Star Wars. Yeah, I shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. And and yeah, because now it's a you have to have an opinion about everything, and b you then have to defend it against everyone who's going to yell at you for thinking that. Right. Because. Nowadays, everyone's going to yell at you yeah. all the time. You know, as I said, I one of the things that annoyed me most about Last Jedi had nothing to do with the actual movie because, again, I actually even really enjoyed the movie. Yeah, yeah I liked it. <laughs> what come at me, idiot? I'm not even on Twitter anymore, so you can't yell at me. I don't care. That's another smart decision. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not on Twitter, and I turn off my Instagram, so you can't touch me. <laughs> um, but. Uh, what was I saying? Uh, oh, one yeah. of the things that annoyed me the most was just the endless line of just these pretentious think pieces <laughs> on like, here's what Last Jedi really means and what does the reaction really mean? What it all really means yeah. is that people need to calm down. Right. That's what it means. Because yeah. this is Star Wars. <laughs> just shut up and watch the movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. it doesn't need to mean, like, shush. I mean, I'm going to be writing a blog you know about uh, what Last Jedi means to Joe. But That's uh, fine. It's yeah. going to be really short. Well, and, and, again, and, and again, to really get to, to what it means. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from where it's you know like. What I mean? It's like, not that those things existing or these people that wrote them or created them are the, are, are the problem. But you just, no. At some point, I, I look at, say, NFL football. I don't watch NFL football as much, but I used to watch it for a long time in depth. Like, my. Miami Dolphin fan. That's a struggle. I'm sorry. You're, you're a Steeler fan, not yeah, yeah. less of a struggle. Yeah. Um, there was a point where I would wake up 8 a.m. and I'd watch all the pregame shows and mm-hmm. I'd watch all the analysis and I'd read all the magazines. And by the time the Dolphins game, say it was a Sunday night game, started at 5 o'clock or something my time, I would have watched like seven hours of pregame of the Miami Dolphin game. Yeah. And after a while, I was like, I just, I just want to show up at 5 and enjoy the just game. Just watch the game. Yeah. And there's some of that with Star Wars. Again, I love Force Center. So committed to it. This is Spotlight Star Wars 100. And we're going to do a thousand more. But there's times where I was like, I just, I want to talk about how cool a TIE fighter looks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm by no means begrudging anyone who loves Star Wars. I think my thing is, I feel like people have lost the ability to process that love yeah. in, the, in a actual constructive way. Yeah. And, and it's, so now it's just all nonsense all the time. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, why are people sending death threats over a Star Wars movie? Like, it's a Star Wars movie. Look, Sh- I, shut up. I, you know, like I said the other day, I saw yeah. the headline that said, "Are we are we getting too much Star Wars now? What are you even saying?" 
get out. Like, no, (laughs) no, you're not allowed to say that now. It's it's been six years. You're not allowed to say that yet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, so uh, I I was impressed and maybe somewhat envious of your ability to just sit back and enjoy it. Though I do feel I still have it, but that that runs into the problem where sometimes I just want to go on and talk about a TIE fighter or a cool lightsaber, and Force Center allows me to do that. But uh, a lot of other people, um, a lot lot of other people, like, uh, you know, it's like they want me to talk about more and I just yeah. like something I want to I want to talk I want to I want to watch a porg yeah. <laughs> yeah but what does a porg really mean, what does it mean? What does it stand what for does it mean? well maybe Joseph <laughs> Joseph I called you Joseph because Joseph oh, wow. Scrimshaw is my partner I know him maybe Joe the uh what you're talking about finding peace and just enjoying it and not worried you can connect to or try to connect with well what does that mean to the force that Leia was able to do that but when you find the answer, maybe not be so upset with it because, quote, the force can't do that because, as you and I know, the, the force isn't For, real. The force doesn't, isn't real. You, can't, you, you don't get to make up the rules for the force because it's not, it's not a real thing. No. It's not a real thing. Just sit back and enjoy just, just shush. what the force could do. Yeah. And it's okay that the ending of Rogue One doesn't exactly sync up to the beginning of Episode 4. Just enjoy. It's okay. That, Just it doesn't. It. That doesn't have to be a thing. That's the lesson. And, it, and, it, and it's <laughs> it's what Joe Ruggiero is saying to me and to you out there is just take some pressure off yeah. and get back, connect to where you first found your love of Star Wars, and then maybe you'll also name a cat Lando. Yeah, and then be sad and alone for a while. But then it works out. But then it works out. So it's okay. So yeah, you should do that. And Everyone should do exactly what I've done in my life. And that's the important thing. <laughs> You've had some really well-timed sound effects it's on this great. one, by the way. That's good. It's great. All right. Thanks for stopping by Spotlight Star Wars, Joe. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. There we go. Thanks to Joe Ruggiero for stopping by Spotlight Star Wars. First little mini interview segment. And Joe and I, we were in the trenches back in the day with Schmoes No when the website first launched and people trying to get scoops and news and and one of the things about it, what I, what I think is in his tone and voice sometimes, don't get, don't get him wrong, he's a giant Star Wars fan, is being in the trenches, you have to have this hot take. You have to be zeroed in on every frame of what you think about it. And after a while, I too just want to tune in, drop out, and enjoy Star Wars. And that's what we intend to do here. So hope you enjoy what he had to say. He, I'd say follow him on Twitter, but he's not on Twitter. All right, it's time to hear... Your memories. I want to hear your memories tied to your joy of Star Wars, something we will be doing here on every episode of Spotlight Star Wars. And this is exclusive. The stories you can post, it's exclusive for our Patreon supporters. You can go join, and at uh, the second tier or higher, you get to post your stories. I have a wonderful amount already in front of me. I have chosen one today. Let's share this memory. The first one comes from Casey Key. This is the first one we're sharing here on Spotlight Star Wars. She says, I was born in 78, so I grew up with Star Wars. One of my favorite memories from when I was about four was Christmas morning and a bunch of Kenner Star Wars figures, some new, some old, set up on a new wooden fort that my daddy made for me. And I love that she uses the phrase daddy, not father, Not dad. Daddy. That would tie to the memory of a four-year-old. We didn't have a lot of money growing up, so buying a big set was probably not an option. The fort had three levels, a trap door and a prison cell. It was on a wooden base covered in green felt for grass. It may not have been fancy, but I loved it. Sadly, during the dark times of Star Wars fandom, in my preteen years, where I didn't play with Star Wars toys any longer, I gave my toys in the fort to a six-year-old down the street. A week later, just a week later, his mom had run over the fort with her car because he had left it out in the middle of the garage. Looking back, I had the toy figures and even an X-Wing toy, but it is the fort my daddy built that I wish I still had. Thanks for sharing, Casey. That is a wonderful memory, and it makes me think about my upbringing, too. Lower middle-class family, central California town, on the coast there. So Christmases were always good. My parents made sure me and my sister had a good Christmas, right? Uh, we, we never never went wanting. But I did suffer a little bit from some envy. Some friends down the street, 
some friends at my school every Christmas. It was an X-Wing. It was a Ada Walker. It was a TIE Fighter. It was a, a Vader, a Luke. It was everything. I didn't have that. But like Casey, that's okay. I had some things. And I infamously, much like Casey did, got rid of my Star Wars toys at a garage sale for $2. Whew. But with what I had, I made best with it. And I would go out and play in my uh, backyard of my house. And I would use off, and I had a lot of Ewoks. I had like three or four Ewoks, Ewok figures, including Wicked, Chief Chirpa, a little gray. And I would take little twigs from my yard and like whittle them into little Ewok weapons. Even though, you know, the Kenner Ewoks came with uh, their own weapons. It was something about it. And I remember that almost as, as much as I remember the rest of the official Kenner toys I had. And all this really connects to, uh, to what Casey's sharing with us here of, of the, again, generational love. The fact that her father knew she loved Star Wars and then goes and creates this fantastic sounding toy. I, I'd love to see pictures of it, Casey. I'd love to see. It's got a prison block, a trap door, fake grass. It's almost like he knew about Bright Tree Village before it was out there for us to see. Uh, that is a wonderful little memory and something that even though you don't have that playset anymore, even though it was destroyed just a week later in one of the great tragedies of humanity, you will always have the memory of it. You will always have uh, your father taking that extra time and effort, providing for his child, giving his child a part of uh piece of joy for a bigger joy that's what i love about star wars there's a bunch of those type of star stories and when i ask for star wars memories a lot of them do come back to the family a lot of them do connect to that yeah i had some friends too with all those big boxes all those big play sets but i bet just like me they're jealous about this homemade wooden playset that Casey had. Thanks for sharing. And now as we begin to close the show, Spotlight Star Wars Episode 100. It is the return of a segment that I used to do on Jedi Alliance. It is in memoriam. There are Star Wars characters that pass on. And we feel it. We connect to these characters Sometimes you connect to the characters and they're gone before you can fully grasp it. They're gone in a movie. They're gone in a scene. Some stay with you for years and decades. In this sequel trilogy era, we have lost some characters. So as we close today, it is the return of In Memoriam. In every war that has raged throughout the galaxy, there have been heroes. The best of them reluctant, not one of them seeking glory, all of them seeking justice. Admiral Jael Akbar was a hero, though he would never let you tell him that. He was also an important architect for the success of the rebellion against the Empire and helped defend his home planet and people of Mon Cala time and time again. In a galaxy being torn apart, Admiral Akbar brought a sense of strength and collected purpose to the cause. It was his very presence that caused Mon Calamari everywhere to rally to the rebellion, bringing their powerful ships to the fight. When the rebels and a plucky farm boy emerged from nowhere to take down the Empire's dreaded Death Star, it was Akbar leading the all-important evacuation from the no longer hidden rebel base. With the rebels spread throughout the galaxy, on the run from Palpatine's deadly reach, Admiral Akbar provided direction and strength to the fledgling rebellion. The Battle of Endor was his shining moment. Commanding the last stand attack from the bridge of his ship Home One, Akbar, along with the confidence of General Lando Calrissian, kept the fleet afloat against horrible odds. Not even Palpatine's well-orchestrated trap could keep them down. Akbar's own words often provided great inspiration throughout the Galactic Civil War. None of us are ready, he once said. No one can ever be truly ready for what war brings. The best we can do is meet it with our face forward and our hearts clear. You will do that. I know you will. After the war, Akbar took a much-deserved retirement and headed back to the comforting waters of Mon Cala. However, his life took a turn he could not have foreseen. Once again, he was needed. 
As Leia's resistance to the emerging power of the First Order took shape, Akbar unselfishly returned to the battlefield. He took his place on the bridge of the great ship named for a former rival and friend, the Raddus, and charged headlong into a new conflict. Many will say that Akbar's end was not befitting a hero of his caliber. His death was unexpected and sudden. No one had time to grieve. There would be no ceremony for a legend, no long speeches to honor a hero. But Akbar would remind you he was no hero. He was just one Mon Calamari, answering the call to protect the unprotected. He would not pause for his own death. He would urge you and inspire you to push on until the new dawn breaks. Admiral Akbar was 84 years old at the time of his death. Rest in peace, Akbar. That is Spotlight Star Wars for this week. The 100th episode is in the books. Thank you for being here for the first 99 and this one and beyond. Force Center is here. It is growing, and that is thanks to you. You can follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars if you want to talk directly to me about this show. Don't forget the hashtag Force Center. We'll get your questions on the main show. We're on Facebook. You can like us there at Force Center Podcast. Don't forget the Patreon page is there, patreon.com slash Force where I take the Star Wars memories from. And new t-shirts designs are on the way. tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You are really going to like these shirts. The Discord is now up. The website is going at forcecenterbot.podomatic.net. There's a lot of Force Center out there for you to wade through. Thanks for being here. That is it. Spotlight Star Wars is over for this week. We'll see you next time. May that Force thing kind of sort of always remain around you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.